We're continuing our series of studies in John. Um, and today, we are at the first I am statement of Jesus. There are many different distinctives of the Gospel of John and compared to other synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And one of the distinctive distinctive is that it reveals so much of Jesus in a very profound way rather than oral biographic way of sketch of who Jesus is. So in light of this the dual aspect of Gospel of John, so easy to read and so easy to understand, but and yet there's so much depth and today's passage is not exception either. The seven I am statements. And we're at the first one. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Um, lest we think that it's just one of those religious jargon just kind of thrown away. Let's bring it to a little closer before we take, it, uh, take a good look at today's text. Um, I don't know about you. I love food. Um, so some people kind of feel like oh, it's an eating time. They just need to quickly get it over with. No, I long for each mealtime. So, uh, one of the, my most miserable time during my college days at you know, Campus Crusade at a retreat in the beginning of the year, and they called it a fasting retreat. And it was only three days. You don't know how long it feels like when there is no meal time. And then you get up, and f fun time of the retreat time is you know, getting together with someone to eat together and enjoy that. When there is no meal time, time doesn't tick. I still remember that this was my first major attempt to do uh, more than a meal uh, fasting, but three days of eating nothing, just drinking water. At the third final day, during the breakfast time, we're breaking the fast together. And the first meal, you have to be careful, easy in. I was thinking about all kinds of food in, in my imagination. But you know how strange it is? As I imagine, I smell the food. I mean, I'm not really crazy about fried chicken. But well, all of a sudden, fried chicken came to me, my mind, and, and then I smelled this fried chicken. And I think about this, you know, dumpling soup. And I smell that too. And every each night, I try to go to sleep early. Because the more I stay awake, the more painful it is. For me to smell all those things. And then the final day we're breaking fast. And 
they gave us a little bowl of potato soup. Just plain potato soup. And I'm eating. A friend of mine in front of me. And I got so emotional. <laughs> we got both teary eyes as we're eating. And then we both said, this is the best potato soup. Well, actually, best soup I ever tasted. I agree. And not only it was a satisfaction, but as soon as we finished the one bowl, all of a sudden, I felt the strength. It was strange. I thought it was a, food is all about tasting good and enjoying. But I realized without the food, I don't have a strength. Without the food, I'll die. Kind of duh thing, right? You have to eat to survive. But I, up until that life, time of my life, and maybe 1920, I lived to eat. And today, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. The depth of that meaning and who Jesus really is, is revolutionary in our everyday Christian life. And I think it's important that we take a look at this passage without those preconceived mind of those religious jargons that we hear and we think, not even really exploring, meditating on that. John 6 is the longest chapter of the Gospel of John. 71 verses. There's a reason for that. Because it starts with the 14 verses, simple verses of feeding of the 5,000. A famous story. And then he goes into much longer than usual discourse, his sermon, his teaching. And the teaching is all connected. And we need to, in light of that, we need to look at the backdrop and background of this first I am statement of Jesus. Obviously, it starts with the miracle. Uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 men. So, uh, at least about 10,000, up to 20,000 people, counting men, women, and children together, with five loaves and two fish. And this was a fourth sign the sign, miraculous sign that point to who, points to Jesus' identity. To, to validify, to validate Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God. And then, as you remember, they ate as much as they can, each one of them. And wow, if this was our king, we don't really have to worry about eating. Not only there are poor people, unlike us, when you think about how much we spend on our monthly budget, you know, housing, and much of Orange County life, the affluence and comfort is a lot to do with saving and education and entertainment. It would be huge pie. Food, yeah, some of it. But back in the days, in these days, when they live 
one day to live, make a living to bring the bread at home, 80% of their budget, 90% of budget sometimes, were for food. So if Jesus provides food, just think about possibility, what kind of quality of life that, that they could have. Not only having to skip a meal because they don't have money, that's all gone, but a lot of other things were really there. So they were, they were trying to, by force, make Jesus king. And Jesus, perceiving that, he withdrew to a mountain to be alone with God. Wow, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed this kind of solitude, how much more do we need? We need to think about that. Jesus was not just shy about limelight. Jesus was clear for his mission. And they're pointing to the different direction that God's will for, for him. That's the reason for the withdrawal. And then third thing is Jesus, as he was going up to the mountain alone and dismissing the uh, crowd, he sent his disciples to the other side, the west side of Sea of Galilee. It's, a, it's not actually sea, but it's a huge enough to call it sea. It's a lake, about five to six miles shortest distance to going to Capernaum, the other side, from east side to west side. And they were on the boat. And as you remember, they were struggling to go. And Jesus walked on water to catch up with them. And then, that was the fifth miracle and sign of all together. There's two more left, six and, and seven. The blind man, uh, born as a blind man, healing of that, and uh, raising Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead. And finally, Today, we catch up on this. And it's already 20, verse 22, but we feel like this is some other stories, but this actually connects right next to the feeding of the 5,000. Why? Because the realizing Jesus' disciples were gone on the boat alone without Jesus, and they couldn't find Jesus. The crowd... Whatever the motivation might be, we need to find Jesus. We need to seek Jesus. And the boats came on the other side, and they took the boats. I don't know how many, but many of them took the boats and went the other side to catch up. Now, we begin with that moment. Verse 22 of chapter 6. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias, Tiberias came near the place and where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. 
So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into to the boats when, and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And this seeking prompted Jesus' statement. Long discourse. The question that we're asking this morning, in order for us to hang our thoughts clearly, let's ask this question. Lest we become lost in the details of the, the stories or the teaching. If Jesus was and is truly the bread of life, how should we respond to Jesus? How should we respond to Jesus who is the bread of life? Here's number one. We are to seek Jesus not for the wrong reasons, but for the right reason. Who he really is. Verse 25, look at that. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? This when is more of how in the world did you get here? That's the question, actually. Because, you know, you weren't in the boat, with the boat, with the disciples in the boat, but you, you're here. When did you, how did you get here? Jesus doesn't answer them that way, but Jesus answered different way. Verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Wait a minute. They did see the sign feeding the 5,000. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is saying the crowd saw the miracle. From their point of view, the man-centered way, the true meaning of the sign was actually pointing to who Jesus is, not the bread, not the product, but the person. They forgot the significance of the event, the, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is not just a mere man, who only can do that. Fifth uh, miracle, Walking on, the, walking on water is also pointing to that same divinity of God as a creator, sustain of the whole universe. But the crowd didn't see that. That's, that's why it's important for us to make the connection with the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus saw they had already projection of who Jesus ought to be to them. Brothers and sisters, we could do the same thing this morning. 
We're worshiping Jesus here today. And we're seeking Jesus. The question is why? There could be wrong reasons. Is bread important? Yes. One of the verbatim instruction of the Lord Jesus pray, how to pray is give us give us daily bread. Physical bread. But what Jesus is saying, pointing out to that, the significance of the feeding of the five thousand is this. I came not to give you merely bread, but to be bread to you. Now you think about what I just described in the beginning of my sermon. That suddenly there's a satisfaction of my, just extreme satisfaction of the food coming in. And that I felt strength. Life comes in. Revived feeling came in. It's, life is not static in that sense. And Jesus says, do you see? You're looking for temporary bread. I had a compassion to give you the bread, but I came ultimately to be bread. Just know not merely about the temporary needs that you have. Your true and maybe not felt needs right now. But your spiritual hunger and void that never filled. It's going to never be filled without Jesus himself. There is subtlety of those drifting away from the center. This is what I mean. In day to day, especially in this week, I encounter some of our church members are going through a tough time. I even met with someone who is going through um, just intense pain because her mom is going through a lot of pain. I saw the tears. I, it made me tear up. And asking Jesus to heal her, to stop the pain. It's a real thing. But in that subtlety of that, whether we want our children to do well, whether we want our moms and dads, elderly moms and dads to get better, to stay healthy, to mentally strong, or to, 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 to pray for the things that in our struggle that it will get better. The wrong reasons can sneak in. And we want Jesus to be useful. Oh, we dare not use the word useful. But we want Jesus to be supplying all the needs and all the answers. 
throughout the Psalms, there are laments. How long will you stay away from me? How long will you just watch this wicked walking all over me? We could pray that, transparent, and we could, you know, pour our heart to God. So, I'm not saying that, do not equate this what I'm talking about. But when you begin to feel like, God, you have to be useful, Jesus, you have to be useful, and bless my life, anger is the first one. So you dare not to be angry toward God. So you become disgruntled. You, you become so much of a, this grumbling happens in your life. Can I gently encourage you? Now think about your relationship with God and if there is any frustration in your, on your part. Is that because Jesus is not effective enough to me, to my needs? Whatever, whatever happened to abundant life, God, Jesus, you, you, would, you promised abundant life. My work is still so stressful. My, my kids are not still doing well. My, my mom, my dad, is just terrible things are going on in their health. What are you doing? Are you a really good God? Let's examine our hearts. Why are you seeking Jesus today? Number two, this is um, in response to Jesus being the bread of life. We are to work not for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Specifically, namely, to, that means to believe in Jesus, Jesus Christ, whom God sent. And we need to be careful about this observation, because if you just glance over, you will misunderstand. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. First thing that we need to do is when Jesus is using figure of speech, the bread of life, bread, um, there's a physical bread that they're aware of. But Jesus is pointing to the deeper needs of spiritual bread, spiritual hunger, right? So when the physical bread you work for a living. 
to earn the bread. And in that sense, Jesus said, because they were seeking to be filled again, you know, they were hungry, and Jesus fed them, and then now they're, another day, they're hungry again. Hey, can you do that stuff again? Moses gave us manna, you know, back in the days. And Jesus saying, you're seeking for the wrong things. And then he said, do not work for the food that perishes. And then he, he goes on saying, and when they're saying, okay, what, what kind of work? What, what are the works of God? They want to work for it, aim at it, strive at it. And Jesus is pointing that figure of speech of work, and now he unpacks it to believe. So how is that possible? When you think about um, the work for the food that endures to eternal life, Does that mean our salvation requires our work? Absolutely not. Because Jesus actually unpacked that, right? Basically, because of work and labor, pursuing that meaning of that is you really have to focus on eternal life, the spiritual bread that you need, the true bread you need, in order to receive that, you can't do nothing but to receive with your empty hand. And um, <laughs> John 6 is so deep that you begin to re really realize all those there's really strong, deeper doctrines comes out of chapter 6. Sola fide and sola Christus. Faith and faith alone, our salvation is. And Christ and Christ alone is right here. To believe in him, Jesus, whom he sent. Your work is not enough. Your religious merit is not enough. So including not, not doing the good work or you know, you're doing the social service or volunteer at the food shelter, homeless shelter, or, or what, what not. But also looking at the scripture and praying and coming to church and serving, whatever that might be, that is not enough. Strive for true bread that requires your surrender, your, your, your faith, and faith alone in Christ and Christ alone. And this is not actually a new thought. Remember, the center of the whole gospel is Jesus. The center of whole scripture, including Old Testament, is Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 20, 55, verse 1 through 2, even this 
is an invitation to the coming Messiah's gentle, gracious voice. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your, your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me. And eat what is good. And delight yourself in rich food. Jesus is right there. This should wake us up. Thinking that, yeah, I really believe Jesus. Jesus is true, true bread, and I believe in, I just get it over with. Remember the image that I had, of how much of satisfaction that I had, it made me teary. How much I, immediate strength that I felt within a few minutes of it in my body. Imagine that if we neglect Jesus, the bread of life. Several days. Think about the state of your spirit. Your weakness, your disgruntledness, and your self-absorption your rationalization and your frustration and anger toward God, anger toward people around you, is a sign of not living with the bread. Reversely, conversely, think about if we take Jesus, the bread of life, every day, think about our disgruntledness to go gratitude. Our feeling of frustration and anger toward God is a deep tenderness toward God. And then we begin to feel the compassion for others. We begin to want to serve not only a church or beyond your neighborhood. Without spotlight. Because Jesus gives us life. Number three, we are to acknowledge our need for Jesus who is the true bread from heaven who gives life to the world. This is what I'm doing. I hope you see that. As we are making observations of whole passage and we're trying to pull the, the uh, universal principles applying to our lives at the same time. But we need to start with the text first. Verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Because Jesus said the work of God, work that, requ work that God is requiring of you is believe in 
in him who, whom God sent. So they're asking, what sign do you have? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he himself, Jesus pointing to himself, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world? They said to him, Sir, give us, the, give us this bread always. They're not really aware of what Jesus is saying. Whatever the bread that you give, you are the bread and give us this bread. They're still in the physical realm, temporary need. And notice Jesus has two strong no's, the negative things that he says. I am not like Moses. Because they're basically, Moses was a deliverer and saver, savior of our Israelites. And he gave us, you know, deliverer. And the second person, Messiah, is somewhat like Moses. Okay, you must be the person that you're saying. Jesus is saying, no. Moses was not the one who gave manna every day for 40 years. Think about incredible miracle every day experiencing. The bread from heaven. The wilderness. When they come to the Canaan, they didn't need it anymore. The second no is the bread that they were getting, the manna that they were getting was not true bread. Moses, in other words, was a foreshadowing of coming Christ, coming Messiah. Moses was a pointing to me. And at the same time, I am that true bread. I am the true manna. The word manna is, in, in original word, is not bread. It's what is it? Because they didn't know, what, what, what the heck is this? Right? Yeah, the, the physical hunger was met by the manna fallen from heaven, physical heaven from the sky but Jesus is saying I am the true bread, true manna that came from heaven, spiritual heaven from God so you need me so we need to acknowledge and recognize these two things, our our other need, and then Jesus is that one who can fill the need. Jesus is the true, true bread that fills our spiritual hunger. Otherwise, if we don't acknowledge and realize, we're going to keep asking for physical manna from God. 
Oh, nothing wrong with the asking physical manner. But physical manner only, we will get frustrated. Because God cares for us, and God knows what we need the most. As we know, the kids are asking for, our children are asking for pizza every day or ice cream every day. You know, as a, as a loving mom, loving dad, we would give them, you need this. In order to have, enjoy that, you need this. And God is doing that. Otherwise, we, we will get just frustrated. And let's think about asking for, lest we have this acknowledgement of God sending his son to be true bread to our, our physical, I mean, spiritual need, eternal need. We're, keeping it, keep, we're going to keep on asking physical manna. Not necessarily just bread only, but whatever the solution we need. Whatever the, something that, that Jesus needs to answer right away. The number four uh, response uh, is we are to come to Jesus, the bread of life, by God's sovereign grace alone, for true salvation, lasting satisfaction, and eternal security. But this is converging point of not only Jesus' sermon, and he repeats that later again, but especially today's text that we are focusing on. I would like to repeat that one more time. The number four response we are to have. So we are to come to Jesus, the bread of life, by God's sovereign grace alone, for true salvation, lasting satisfaction, and eternal security. See if you could see those things in this passage. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, believes in Him, should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus is the bread of life, not just once for all, but every day, and not for a meal or a day, but the lifetime for eternity. The expressions you shall not hunger. You shall never thirst. 
we need to be clear on this, right? Lest we think that some prosperity gospel thing, all you need is believe, faith, then your health problem, your financial problem, your success problem will be all gone. So that's what faith warrior looks like. You know, already but not yet means that Jesus became our Savior and Deliverer. Jesus is our true blood every day. He gives us satisfaction. He, there is a peace. But at the same time, until we get to heaven, faith, see Jesus face to face, we will struggle with our sin natures. We will struggle with the sin done to us by others. We will struggle with the systematic evil of a culture, of a system, of an of a organization, and of a church. So that means the pain lingers. But Jesus continually gives us and refreshing refreshment on that. Um, I think it's important for us to think about as I mentioned in the beginning of my sermon, not a static life. In other words, okay, I have life. I'm living. That's fine. But we should think about this idea of satisfaction, perpetual satisfaction. Am I being satisfied? Is Jesus my one of my satisfactions or is Jesus the satisfaction? If Jesus my treasure, most treasured satisfaction in my life. That is really the question. Many of you already heard, so allow me to share this one more time. In my midlife funk, in my previous ministries, so when I was taking free fall and resigning from the position, in order to seek God, I put everything in one basket, all my eggs in one basket. So I, I had an identity crisis. What am I if I'm not pastor? What am I? What significance do I have if I'm not doing this? Every show. In other words, Jesus plus nothing, if Jesus is everything, equals everything. But in my everything falling apart was Jesus nothing equals nothing. It's self-deception. Not a whole faith, but some crooked faith. Cheap grace. The best decision I ever made in my adult life, ever since I became a Christian, obviously that God's sovereign grace, is that decision. Recklessly abandoning myself to God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gave me life, new meaning. And then I could honestly say, even though this season is difficult, Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my all. And I could say that in the midst of storm, 
Jesus being in my boat. I could sing hallelujah. So what does it mean to eat the bread of life every day? Find, let's find the meaning from the scripture itself. Okay. Come. I'm sorry. Where did it go? Oh, sorry. I, here. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The figure of speech, bread of life. And instead of whoever eats me shall not hunger, he changed it back to the normal speech. Come to me. So therefore, eating the bread of life every day is coming to Jesus. And whoever believes in me, eating the bread is believing in Jesus. And it, this repeats. As we have seen in uh, verse 40, everyone who look, looks on the Son, and once again believes in him, looks on the sun, looking on Jesus, is eating the bread of life. What, what does that mean to us? This passage reminds us, even next passage, following passage, Jesus used the words, whoever does not eat my flesh and drink my blood. And two things happen. Two Erroneous misunderstandings happen. And throughout church history, even up until a lot of commentaries, uh, the modern scholars bring out this true meaning of that. But it doesn't, you don't need to be a scholar or Bible scholar or theologian to understand this passage that way. But traditionally, this passage was read in Serving the Lord's Holy Communion, Lord's Supper. Because who cannot deny it? It is. Catholics took it to extreme and said transubstation happens, which means when we're taking Lord's Supper, Communion, the bread actually turns into, supernaturally, Jesus' flesh, Jesus' bread, I mean body. And then the wine that we're taking, grape juice we're taking, supernaturally trans, transubstation happens, means that you can Jesus' blood. So therefore, it is so important that in order to give, receive life from Jesus, you need to take the communion. That substitute, actually coming to Jesus, enjoying satisfaction, and looking on Jesus as a hope, is one ritual, sacrament of the Lord's Supper. 
Can we read this passage during the Lord's Supper? Yes, I think. But even the Lord's Supper eventually points to the death, the shed blood and broken body of Jesus, of sacrificial redemption of our Lord Jesus. That's the eventual meaning, ultimate meaning, isn't it? Coming back to this, our application of that, when we come to the Jesus and enjoying satisfaction, lasting satisfaction, and this is really true salvation and eternal security, Jesus saying on the last day, I will raise you. If you come to me, believe me, look at me as a true bread light. So do you see this? Uh, all we need to do is come and look on and believe in Jesus. The question is how? This passage points out that we don't have that power. Left alone, because of our sinful heart, no one comes to the Father directly. So Jesus' language is becomes Kind of strangely, um, the theological term for that is irresistible grace. God called you and God chose you to come to Jesus. So no one can boast. Lest we have this hyper-Calvinistic thought, the following the verse um, 7, 37 the second part of it, all that Father gives me will come to me. And he said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, human responsibility. Well, I don't have to do anything if God calls me and I, you know, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust. And this is the reason why we need to go to Yucatan in China. This is the reason why we need to do think about human responsibility and God's sovereignty is, is actually not two things that must you know in a supernatural way is actually one thing. We cannot avoid evade our responsibility of trusting and coming to know to Jesus. So today we need to come. Those of you who feel like you don't have spiritual strength, you are, you are bankrupt, you are in a good place, come to Jesus. Look on him, not as one of the hopes, but as really the hope. So we are to come not by our own works and merit, but by God's grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. I want to close with this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Um, he preached this sermon in 1873 with such a clarity and power it ministered to, to, to my soul. 
His sermon title was Soul-Satisfying Bread, speaking, preaching on one verse. Matthew, I'm sorry, John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. That hungering, <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon writes, that hungering will never be hushed into content until we receive Christ. But we, when we have him, we learn that we are the sons of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, and, then, and that it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when, we, when he shall appear, we shall be like he is. For we shall see him as he is. This opens up before us a splendid future of unfading glory and unbounded bliss. And we feel that we need no more. Since we are Christ and Christ is God's, all things are ours and our hunger is forever over. Because I could not desire more than all. And Christ is all in all. My beloved, this perfect satisfying of our nature is to be found nowhere else but in Christ. Some have tried to be satisfied with themselves and their own doings. They have despised the bread of heaven for they dreamed that they could live without bread. They would be self-contained men. They would make themselves happy with themselves, but it is a wretched failure. I love that. I could not desire more than all, and Christ is all in all. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Do not look to the circumstances. Someday I will feel this happiness and contentment. Jesus calls you. Calls you to come. Look on him as the one and only hope for your satisfaction, for your fullness. Believe in him with all your might, all your strength. Trust with nothing reserved. Then you will feel the satisfaction. Then you will feel the eternal security. Then you will feel the joy of salvation in the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your word that reveals your son so clearly to us. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak gently but in yet firmly to each one of us to come.
to look upon Jesus, to believe and trust. Jesus, as our daily bread of life, the true bread of God from heaven. And someday, Lord, we will feel the consummation of this satisfaction and salvation. And until then, and teach us to fight for joy in our everyday life. Protect us from the evil one's lies that our circumstances determines our happiness and satisfaction. Oh Lord, our church is humble and small in the worldly eyes but Lord, we know that we have everything we need. Jesus, come. Fill us with your life. Revive us. Make us fall in love with you all over again. May your revival come and purification come. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.